All right, Amigas 3 is a crowd. I'm here today once again in the bunker on a beautiful day. Started off with clouds and now it's sun shining, although we can't tell. Kelly, how are you today? Oh, I forgot to open my beer. I'm great. How are you, Daniel? I'm doing excellent. This is Sign on the Window, where we take a... Where we take a weekly look at issues important to gays and ladies. That's the wrong, wrong podcast. This is Sign on the Window, where we take a look at a random Bob Dylan song that we let random.org choose every single week. Sometimes they're a hit, like I Want You, and sometimes they're a miss, like, I don't know, Woogie Boogie. (laughs) Uh, I've been listening to uh, Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of Dylan songs, as is some of the first natural numbers combined, which makes Kelly a triangular American. What? This week, we listen to Woogie Boogie off of 1970's Insert Demeaning Verb of Choice Here, Bob Dylan has a couple to lend you. Self-portrait. But... So before we continue on with the song, Kelly, how was your week with Bob Dylan's Woogie Boogie? Is, damn, it is Woogie Boogie. It's Woogie Boogie. But it's supposed to be Boogie Woogie. It's Woogie that Boogie. bastard. Uh, I mean, the song was kind of maybe incidental is the right word. I don't know. It just was there. Uh, it's definitely just there on the album. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It really reminds me of um, I used to have a Yamaha keyboard. There was a button that would play different styles of music, and this sounds just like the Woogie Boogie button. And by Woogie Boogie, I mean Boogie Woogie, because that's the order. Uh, this is going to be a long yeah, episode. Yeah, this is going to be a long episode. I feel like we're in the, stuck in the episode of the Smurfs, except it's called the Boogies or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> so the only notes I have for self-portrait, which you're going to be like emoji hand praying right now, um, this is our second self-portrait. This is, I think, our first, beyond the compilations and the bootleg series and all of that, I think this is our first official album second song off of something if i'm not mistaken uh and this was on uh days of 49 was also on Mm self-portrait one of our better episodes uh this will not be one of those (laughs) uh we were it was recorded twice on march 13th and march 17th of 1970 it is the 12 bar blues and there are people online um you know the the regular folks uh at all dylan and untold dylan who go to great lengths to try to make meaning out of this and in particular wigwam the other instrumental on this I recommend I'll link those below. We're not going to get into it here because I have no patience to try to like justify this. But if you are curious about that, I definitely recommend going and checking that out. Now, what is Woogie Boogie? Woogie Boogie. Yep. So from the Urban Dictionary, I'm just going to quote. <laughs> this is dangerous. So if you have uh, sensitive ears, you might want to just plug them oh, for a no. moment. So it is a multitude of things on Urban Dictionary. One, quote, this is what black music sounds like to white people, often crackers that be in the KKK. Oh, no. Quote, oh, that was end quote, by the way. Uh, another one, quote, someone fucking a person from behind while another person is fucking the same person in the mouth. Oh. can also be a battle cry of sorts used in varying situations. For example, dude, I totally woogie boogied my girlfriend last night, which now gives a lot of 
the previous definition a little bit more. It's a little darker. And then, whoa, goddamn, woogie boogie. It's <laughs> not really a good example. but uh, And then the last one, a phrase that can be used in playful defiance of a person or a thing, sometimes associated with a triumph over a subject being referred to. As in, example, woogie boogie math midterm or woogie boogie, Frank. Oh, my God. So now that we know that woogie boogie is nothing, it's not a thing, I want you to tell me what is boogie woogie because i know that it is a musical style i want to know everything that there is about boogie woogie well it's not any of the things that you just said yes musical style that was that was it yep uh style of blues played on the piano with a strong fast beat that's the long and short definition like boom that's what it is but let's uh let's dig a little deeper i would love to Became popular during the late 1920s, uh, developed in black communities in the 1870s, actually. So it was around for a while. Started with just the piano and expanded to include more instruments. It's characterized by a uh, 4-4 beat, so it's a very standard song pattern where that means there's one note that's, like, if there's one measure, right, there's four beats per measure. So that's a very one, like, there's no nothing fun about it, right? It's fun. It's just it's very straightforward. It's very Rude. easy to read. Uh, and the the left hand, the bass part of the piano, is always eighth notes. So there's eight notes per measure. And it's like a dun 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 dun, dun That kind of riff yeah. is repeated throughout all. As you'll listen to the song Woogie Woogie, you will hear, you will hear yeah. over and over. Let's only for two minutes, thank God. <laughs> only for two minutes, yes. Um, let's talk about the etymology of the word, shall we? Please. Seems to be a reduplication. Do you know what that means? I mean, I, I inherently know what it is, but... It's a morphological process in which the root or stem of a word, or in fact, the whole word, is repeated exactly or with a slight change. That's nice. Okay. So it seems to be a reduplication of the word boogie, which was a term used for rent parties uh, as early as 1913. Rent parties, if you don't know, were something that happened in uh, black communities, specifically Harlem, I think is where it started, uh, in the 20s, where jazz musicians of the scene would throw parties and play music to raise money for to pay their rent for the building. So a whole building would get together and they would have a party one night and pass the hat and raise money. The word itself, boogie, comes from a few African languages. Uh, the first is a Hausa word, uh, boog, which means to beat, also a Mandingo word. Uh, I think it's just booga, maybe? That means to beat. Way to not write it down correctly. West African word bogey, which means to dance, and a Bantu phrase, uh, mabuki, mavuki, uh, which means to take off in flight or and to dance wildly. So it's a, it was also a dance too, which I forgot to mention. Like it, there's a dance that accompanies the music that plays. But anyway. the first appearance of the word boogie in music, sheet music specifically, 1880, a song called the Boogeyman. Uh, in 1901, a song called Hoogie Boogie. And then recording, uh, in 1913, the American Quartet recorded an acapella song called That Syncopated Boogie Boo on a wax cylinder. Uh, 1917, The Boogie Rag by Sweatman. But it was not a boogie-woogie structure. Like, actually, none of these songs were in, written in that structure. They were just the first appearances of the word, word yeah. boogie-woogie. But then in 1919, which does not have the words boogie or boogie in it, Weary Blues by the Louisiana Five was recorded and that was the first appearance of that boogie woogie dun, 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 uh, okay. eighth, eighth note 
yeah. measure base. Uh, first modern day spelling of the song and structure was 1928's Pine Top Boogie yeah. from Pine Top Smith. Oh, sorry, Pine Top's Boogie Woogie. Yes. By Pine Top Smith. And that had dance instructions that he would call out during the song. Yes. Where did it all start, Daniel? Where did Boogie Woogie come from? Our hearts and minds? Kansas City. No, good guess, though. St. Louis. No. Chicago. Stop guessing. <laughs> you can guess again. Detroit. Okay. It was 1870 Texas in lumber mills and Fuck. lumber and turpentine camps, which seems like a bad. What? Okay, I'm curious. Is it lumber camps also tum, turpentine, turpentine camps? Because otherwise, that is a recipe for a fire. That's true. Like, oh my gosh. Anyway. Yes. That's disconcerting. Maybe that's why they got to be on the coast, just always ready to go. <laughs> Get a boogie woogie out of this yeah. <laughs> fire trap. <laughs> they have boogie woogie drills. Yeah. <laughs> Play the piano, just do it. The worst has happened. The turpentine is coated the lumber. (laughs) Amazing. Who put the turpentine in the wood? (laughs) We really should have kept these in separate areas. Uh, It was called then. Yeah. It was called Fast Western, Fast Blues, or sometimes Fast Texas, a term derived from the Texas Western Railroad Company, uh, which was then a big influence. in spreading the music itself because they would have people working in these lumber camps that would go like kind of from place to place. And Alan Lomax has a quote about it, which kind of describes the situation. And I will quote him now. (laughs) Anonymous black musicians longing to grab a train ride away from their troubles incorporated the rhythms of the steam locomotive and the moan of their whistles into the new dance music that they were playing in jukes and dance halls. Boogie Woogie forever changed piano playing as ham-handed black piano players transformed the instrument into a polyrhythmic railroad train. I also learned that ham-handed means clumsy. It's badass. So it basically spread through like a lot of jazz or early music period because it's so hard to have any credible resources on where things actually came from because there wasn't recording technology. Music was, music's been happening since people were alive, since we figured out we could make sounds with our bodies, like we've been making music. But as far as American music, what we think of as and how it became what it is today, it all started in the late 1800s, more or less. And like, that's where all this disputed territory comes from. So well, and I think what's also very important about that time frame is that the 1870s and 1880s was the great migration of blacks from the south to the north going to the black hubs that became Chicago, Kansas City. Uh, they even made it, like, Nicodemus is a very famous town in Kansas that had was all black-run, black-operated for, I mean, only about probably 50-plus years. It's still around, but, you know, that sort of era went away, but they all went to Detroit. I mean, it's it was an exodus, you know, the Great Migration. So I think with that, music certainly moved with it. Oh, definitely. And so all of that just matriculated from everywhere. You go to the Turpentine camp, and then you go visit your family in Chicago, and then you see, yeah, all the musicians moving, and you add your own flavor to it. I mean, it must have been a really insanely robust time to make music, which is very cool. Oh, yeah. Everybody was taking from, from everybody yeah. who heard a song in Texas, working on that portion of the – or working at some lumber camp, and then you take it with you somewhere else, and there's a bunch of guys that have already had their stuff going, oh, yeah. and you just kind of all incorporate it. So it's pretty cool. And then cool. after a generation, you get the – you know, sort of the Chicago – Blues and then Delta Blues and stuff like that. But then you also get this level of sort of, and it wasn't just like the migration one way. It started to become this overlap as well mm-hmm. over the years until really, you know, I, to today. I mean, even still, it's music still, I guess maybe today it doesn't really exist anymore because the internet is so ubiquitous. Well, there you have it. 
and I guess you could just take that right to jazz. So well, jazz absolutely, yeah. jazz, especially the those cities that you name, New York, uh, Chicago, Chicago, Kansas City, Kansas City. Uh, St. Louis would be on there too. New Orleans, sure. New Orleans, yeah. yeah. Boogie boogie. boogie Damn boogie. it, boogie woogie. Ah. So as if you can't tell already, there's not a lot to say. Thank you, Bob Dylan, for putting this out because it's opened up a whole world. I mean, we, we spent this week listening to Boogie Woogie music and music inspired by it and some – there's no touche amore on here. So I just got to say that we stuck to an aesthetic-ish as best as we could. And uh, what we're going to do is sort of what we do on Mixed Up Confusion. So on a normal week where it's not an instrumental – this is what we'd be talking about on that show. So if you're interested in the music and you want to delve deeper, that's what we do over there. Maybe not for the next seven weeks, but we do that there normally. <laughs> um, but today we're going to basically just kind of bring that back over because there's nothing. we're not going to even pretend like we're going to say something profound about Boogie, about Woogie Boogie. Jesus Christ. Press the piano button. Press it. <laughs> All right, so let's let's go ahead and just uh, take a look at stuff from our playlist. So the first thing you mentioned, very importantly, was Pine Top Smith. Yeah. So I looked him up. I don't know how deep you went on any of these people, but he was uh, he was a blues singer for Ma Rainey. It's crazy. Oh, didn't didn't even realize that. Um, apparently, this this number originated at a at a house party in St. Louis, Missouri. He was the first ever to direct the girl with the red dress on to not move a peg. Until told to shake that thing and mess around. <laughs> and Ray Charles would take that and put it in a couple of his songs. He died of a gunshot wound at a dance hall fight in Chicago the day before his next recording session. Hold yourself now. Boogie woogie. Now that's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. We talked about the Weary Blues. You had Louis Armstrong doing the version of it, which was pretty cool. Right. Um, Boogie, Woogie, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. From the Andrews Sisters. From the Andrews Sisters. Had no clue who the Andrews Sisters oh, were. Oh, yeah, that's funny. I think I've, like, vaguely heard about them. But um, I learned that there was a swing and a Boogie Woogie era. Mm-hmm. So the swing era would, I guess, maybe be before or something like that. So it's, they were popular in those eras. Tough, yeah, because, I mean, basically from the 30s to the end of the Second World War, it's all big band music, which you could kind of put ev- all of this under that umbrella because yeah. it spiraled out into that. They all kind of crossed over each other. It's all, it's all jazz. I mean, if you want to cut it, it's like it's all different versions of jazz. Fair enough. Fair enough. I learned that they sold 75 million records. Their last record was released by MCA in the 1970s. And that hit, that 41 hit, uh, Boogie Woogie. I cannot Boogie say. Boogie Woogie Boogie Boy. Company B. Oh, yeah. That's right. I don't really know what that means. Uh, uh, it's an army. Oh. Well, right. I mean, the military, oh, your right, company. Right. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, it's considered an early example of rhythm and blues, or jump blues. Uh-huh. I don't know what jump blues are. Inducted into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 1998. Didn't even know that was a thing. Some band leaders of the day, uh, including Artie Shaw, which maybe you know, you're obsessed with band leaders, uh, <laughs> along with musicians, resented them for taking the focus away from the band and emphasizing the lyrics. 
And then that's how we will do it forever and, that's and how, always. I mean, that's how this whole podcast even started. It's mm-hmm. not really about the music. It's about Bob Dylan as a writer. And I think we think of a lot of musicians like that. We want to know what they have to say. Well, and then the, the person who's ever fronting the band, you know, the, the vocalist is usually the one. True. That, you'll know the name of them, but not anyone but not else. The rest. And we don't even know the name of these ones. They're just the Andrew sisters. They're all the same. <laughs> I mean, it's sad. And for what, like, the Andrew Sisters, if anybody's not familiar, if you think of any World War II era song that's playing in the background of a war movie, it's them. Uh-huh. Any upbeat song that's playing in a war movie is them. You go see Dunkirk. No, that's too too early. That's Dun- World War II. No, that's World War II. Dunkirk is one, I thought. No, it's two. I think I said it was oh. one that one time. Yeah, well, we were two. watching it's, whatever. The Nazis took over. They were waiting to be taken out, mm. and no one was there because they were getting torpedoed. And, oh, okay. You know, so it was World War II. So anyways, you can hear that in Dunkirk in theaters now. <laughs> He was a famous trumpet man from all Chicago way. He had a boogie style that no one else could play. He was the top man at his craft. But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the army now, a blowin' reveille. He's the boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. They made him blow a bugle. So Sam the Sham, still alive. Um, this was a song I've heard before, but it would Boogie never. Boogie. It's considered, um, it's their first and their biggest hit by far. Um, it ended up selling 3 million copies and reached number two on the Hot 100 on the 5th of June, 65, at a time when music was dominated by the British invasion. Oh. So it sort of somehow made it through the Beatles, which is pretty crazy. It became the first Billboard number one record of the year not to have topped the Weekly 100 and remained the only one for 35 years until Faith Hills Breathe and Lifehouse's Hanging by a Moment oh, in 2000 and 2001. No. Yep. Crazy. So, yeah, Wooly Bully. That I When you said Woogie Boogie, that's initially the first thing I thought immediately because yeah. it's like same kind of sound, right. repeating word. Well, we did that a little bit. Reduplication, yes. that's That was a lot of our Ooh, playlist. nice. Brought that reduplication right? back What in. is up? So what were our reduplicated ones? So we've got Wooly Bully, obviously. Uh, we'll save the most contentious for last. Ooh. Double Trouble by The Roots. Uh, Shady Lady by Iron Butterfly. You remember Inagata DeVita? That's them. Tutti Fruity, Little Richard. I think we're all familiar with that. Yes. Maybe Baby by the Crickets of, uh, what's his name? Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Right. Yeah. Wheelie Nilly by Rufus Thomas. That was actually a good song. I've never it's a great song. Yeah. Heard of. Looked up some Rufus Thomas. He is a long, he, he worked for a long time. Okay. A lot of different uh, guys. Was, yeah. uh, Hanky Panky. Of course. By Tommy James and the Shondells. And Helter Skelter by a little band called the Beatles. But most contentious, Mellow Yellow by Donovan. Yeah, we're definitely going to get <laughs> We will get some Donovan. So, and it's, the contention was um, real. manufactured. <laughs> if real, but also manufactured. Before we get there, I've got a couple other notes on some of the other people. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to run through our reduplication because I learned a new word. And yeah, I'm going to keep saying to, it. And I try not to get into that. So, uh, Dion and the Belmonts, The Wanderer. Great song. Fallout. Um, Fallout 4, I play that all the time, and that's why I put it on this playlist, because it sounded... It actually, upon listening to it closely, it does have a boogie-woogie bass in the background. Really? Yeah. Oh. It's very faint, and it's not, like, as... But it's definitely at that pattern. somebody knows what a boogie-woogie bass is. I certainly don't. (laughs) 
So, yeah, I learned a little bit about Dion and the Belmonts. This is something I did not actually realize, but they were a part of the tour with Buddy Holly, who we just happen to have the crickets on here as well. So they were actually on tour with him in 58 when he went down with the Coasters and, and Bobby Darren. They, the only reason that they didn't get on the plane was that it cost 36 bucks to fly to the next venue. And according to Dion, 36 was uh, the price that his parents paid for monthly rent. Whoa. So they were like, we're not going to. That's way too much. So he told Holly no. And then shortly after midnight on the 3rd, the plane crashed into Clear Lake, Iowa. Um, Bobby V, and this brings us a little bit back to Dylan, because Bobby V, who was a relative unknown at that time, filled in for Buddy Holly on the rest of the tour. <laughs> and Bobby V became kind of a sensation, if you will. I think people still probably look to it. And before he was doing that, guess who was playing in, in his band? Bob Dylan. No kidding. He was only there for a bit as a piano player, but he certainly pretended like he was in his band and would tell everybody <laughs> who would listen that he was in his band. So, yeah, it's kind of that weird, circuitous thing that Bob, Bob Dylan was actually quite upset that he wasn't able to continue on in Bobby V's band. So, and Bobby V might not have been anything if it weren't for Buddy Holly dying. And then Bob Dylan, of course, Bob, Buddy Holly looked at Bob Dylan that one time and powers <laughs> transferred over. So, least we forget. <sighs> that was actually in, I just reread Chronicles. That's actually in Chronicles as well. So, that wasn't just a just Nobel Prize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was in there as well. I didn't realize that yeah. he's been keeping that one going for a while now. <laughs> um, Charles Mingus, I don't know if he's like the only jazz artist that I know. Yeah. Played bass, apparently. Also, band leader, but. You always imagine they're just saxophonists or trumpet. So that was, I actually didn't even know that. But he has a song called Boogie Stop Shuffle. And then the Crickets. Yes. I enjoyed seeing them on here. Buddy Holly's band, that guitar, bass, drum setup. We love so much. That three piece. Everyone does it. Yes. Have you heard of a little band called Green Day? <laughs> they kept playing into the 21st century. That's crazy just to me. And just to bring that back to Dion and the Belmonts, their, their final show was actually last year on February 6th. 2016 yeah so over a year ago. i mean it's it's been a while a year and a half um the cricket it was uh the crickets and buddies performed at clear lake iowa at the surf ballroom the the site of buddy holly's last performance yeah and then after the show he announced that uh that was the that was the, the end so it was this beautiful circle wow i should say circle into the mic it's a beautiful circle <laughs> circle little richard we, we love little richard I mean, if this song doesn't immediately make you think of the Brave Little Toaster, I don't know what would. What's the Brave Little Toaster? What? You're just saying stuff. I don't actually know. Brave Little Toaster, which came out in the late 80s. The the movie of our childhood. Gosh, it's about a little, it's an animated cartoon. It's a a little toaster and he's got a blanket friend and a lamp friend and an angry vacuum, not friend, friend of me, and a radio. And this is a movie of our time. Yeah, man. Of our childhood. Yeah. We're one year apart, and that never happened for me. You, I don't know how that's possible. Anyway, the very beginning of the movie, before everything gets really sad, they're all dancing around to that song. To two for you. Yeah. Hang on to your hats, you devil dogs, because the master bebop blaster of all time is going to give you a soul injection. That brings us back to Bob Dylan because Bob Dylan wanted to be in Little Richard's band. That's true. That was what he wrote in his yearbook. I was going to say he was also a brave little toaster, but Bob Dylan. Yes, that's very nice. <laughs> I'm sure he would appreciate that. It was also the movie of his childhood as well. Nope. Somehow it was. 
as you mentioned, in Agata de Vida, Iron Butterfly had no idea this was who did it. That sold 30 million records wow. on Inagata DeVita pretty much probably alone. Oh, yeah. They're notable for being the first group to receive um, a platinum award. You know, platinum oh, platinum record? From the RIAA. So wow. nuts. I mean, you would have probably expected it to be someone before, but I did the song when it started, I actually didn't know. And I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, that it was from the 1970s. It mm-hmm. sounded like it was like a contemporary song. I feel like that um, The Violent Femmes, their self-titled album that came out in 83, that album is flawless and timeless. Like, it could be made today. You would never know. And, yeah, I, I could see that a little bit about Shady Lady, her, her friends from Matter and Butterfly. Yeah. Very Weird. unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to the point where I had to look it up. I, if I Maybe if I knew right away that it was by them. But that's some trivia question shit, guys. If you didn't know and it got a DeVita, I would never get it right. But now I will never forget. <laughs> Thanks, Boogie Woogie. I uh, put The Clash on here mainly because The Clash are the greatest, the only band that matters. And it just had, like, trumpets and stuff. And I just thought that was what Boogie Woogie was. So it just kind of got down. <laughs> Anything with trumpets. It. You could say that, that ska music, too. Anything oh, with trumpets. Oh, I could have. We could have had some, like, Lesson Jake and stuff on I here. didn't realize that your your idea of Boogie Woogie music was it wasn't really that. trumpets. Well, it was more, like, the vibe of the trumpets, you know? Because you can't just have, like trombones like back i wouldn't have thought like let's put our real big fish on here it would have been more um more appropriate i don't think the clash is appropriate but you know what the clash are a kind of class they do whatever they want so they're in this playlist raising a ruckus gotcha. um i put black powder orchard by baroness because it had um it had a nice guitar riff and i thought that's what we were doing what <laughs> <laughs> and then, because it was the 12-bar blues, I chose the 12-bar bruise by King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard. Uh, meanwhile, And meanwhile, it was really fun. <laughs> I had a good time. Back in appropriate land, I picked In the Mood by the Glenn Miller Orchestra, because that's absolutely of the, the music. And it's not technically a Woogie Boogie song. Damn it, I keep doing it. Boogie Woogie song. Oh, yeah. But uh, it made me think of that. I mean, like immediately Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, but then also this song, which we played in jazz band. And like my girlfriend has also played in her jazz band in high school. Like I feel like every high school played in the mood. It just was a requirement. Right. And then finally, the last one I added, like, as you can see, an hour ago. So (laughs) you had no time to listen to this. But Walk in the Boogie by John Lee Hooker. Oh, no, I did. I did. Okay, you did. Yeah. yeah. So I threw that on there as well. John Lee Hooker is dope. So that is our playlist. You can, of course, find that at SOTW Pod in our show notes. You can also find it on our Spotify main page. You can see all of our playlists for all of our episodes. But I say this preemptively because right now you're either going to throw up in your seat or you're going to shout for joy because we are talking about Donovan. Yeah. Donovan. Donovan. You threw down the gauntlet and said that Donovan's better than Bob Dylan. <laughs> I feel like you're almost like Alan Price in Don't Look Back, just saying to Bob Dylan that he's better than you, <laughs> as if to throw it in my face. Well, you know, he's a Scottish bloke. He's a Scottish bloke. What's a bloke? Bloke. Bloke. <laughs> so let me tell you some information on Donovan. Please do. He was a pop musician who was friends with Joan Baez, Brian Jones, and the Beatles. Oh, just like Bob Dylan. Just like Bob Dylan. But... Whereas Bob Dylan taught the Beatles what marijuana is, he taught John Lennon how to finger pick oh. in a style that he would later use on Dear Prudence, Julia, Happiness is a Warm Gun, 
and others. Thanks, Donovan. Well, it sounds like Donovan's contribution was better than Bob Dylan's. Hey, All right, so far, one Donovan. He introduced Bob the Zero. Beatles to the transcendental meditation and other Eastern spiritual techniques from, I'm going to say this wrong, but Maharishi Mahish Yogi, when mm-hmm. um, the Beatles went to India and George learned how to play the sitar. And they came back, and uh, tomorrow, tomorrow never knows. Off of revolver is on the sitar, kind mm. of that crazy sort of vibe, you know, kind of leading into the summer of love and late sixties. I mean, everybody's getting super high and getting high and banging each other, doing their stuff. I mean, I, we're really simplifying all of this. So apologies <laughs> to everybody who's listening. Uh, he would point out that he went electric before Bob Dylan. Uh-huh. He was uh, the first sixties pop star to be busted for drugs, Uh-oh. marijuana. Uh oh. Uh oh. And with that, he couldn't appear at the Monterey International Pop Festival that year, which is the one where Jimi Hendrix was playing guitar, set it on fire. You know, that classic oh, shit, image? Yeah. Um, tons of. Oh, like, wait. And Donovan couldn't go because he. Because he got busted for drugs, so the U.S. wouldn't let him in. Oh, my So it's kind of a crazy, like, break that could have happened that just never got connected. That's so I did funny. I not realize that. Because none of those people smoked pot. True, but they lived in America. <laughs> Joplin was there. Yeah, everyone was there. Um, he referenced, he said that his referencing of Superman in a song uh, was the precursor to pop art. So Warhol be damned. <laughs> Him just referencing Superman was enough. Right, right. Um, he notes that um, after he met Andy Warhol, the Velvet Underground's first album, which was produced by Andy Warhol, um, was released with a banana on the cover. I was going to say, that's one with the banana. Which was an obvious reference to the electrical banana in his song Mellow Yellow. Mm-hmm. So he says. <laughs> Donovan continued to per- perform and record sporadically. Um, he would get a revival in the 90s, which, whatever. Um, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2012 and the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2014. How about that? So it seems like he's had a great career. He's just not a, just not a legend. Right. But Bob Dylan is. I don't know. I, I've listened to way more Bob Dylan songs at this point in my all of 33 or whatever I've listened to. Um, but I don't know. I like, I like Donovan stuff. I yeah, no, listen. I have nothing nothing wrong to say about it. I put all of his albums on and just listened to it. I was like, I'm into this. And I think he has a more of a consistency, at least his first couple of albums. Again, this is so weird. I'm comparing something I know nothing about to something I know nothing about <laughs> and pretending like one is better than the other. Yeah. But it's mostly just to to get a rise. I think Donovan's good. All the stuff I've heard of his, I like. I have not heard a lot of Bob Dylan. But some, <laughs> some, <laughs> but some of the stuff I did not In like. In this case, what about this episode? Not so great. It's not the worst. Or actually, it's... His lyrics are fine in this <laughs> It's true. His lyrics are great in this episode. All right. So before we end this episode, which is getting off the rails, I'm going to pan picture for you. So we might not watch Don't Look Back for a while, but we have talked about it before. So the Donovan stuff is not just out of nowhere as a joke. But I am going to describe to you the scenes with Donovan in Don't Look Back. Because you were curious about it. I think I showed you a video. Yeah. Of, yeah, just like... So I'm going to paint the picture for everybody and give you more information. And it's going to be a play along game. So when I ask you for an input, (laughs) you tell me what the answer is. Sure. All right. So this great opening scene. This is what we, I first shared with you. This is the first time, first time that we see anything about Donovan. Uh, The animals ex keyboardist, Alan Price tells Bob Dylan about Donovan. He says that he's a good guitar player and that he's better than you. Where Dylan says, well, I hate him already. Price reads the headline aloud. Is Donovan deserting his fans? They laugh as a slow realization dawns. Price bellows. 
He's only been around for three months. Dylan probably responds, that's what I call a loser. All of them have a laugh at the loser. <laughs> the loser Donovan. We cut to someone wanting to give Dylan an award for freewheeling, which is like light years behind the current 1966 Bob Dylan. So Bob responds, just tell him I don't want it. Tell him to give it to Donovan. <laughs> cut to a scene where Bob is silently riding in the backseat of a car under a newspaper that proclaims, quote, Dylan digs Donovan. Dylan and Donovan meet. It's at the same party where someone throws a glass out the window. Dylan yells at one of Donovan's entourage. I'm not taking no res fucking responsibility for cats I don't know, man. I got enough responsibility with my friends and my own people. <laughs> After some tense minutes, Bob demands, be groovy or leave. Oh, my God. Groovy, the party remains. Donovan <laughs> only wants to please, so he picks up his acoustic guitar and he plays, he plays a song called To Sing For You. Mid-song, Dylan shouts, hey, that's a good song, man. Was Bob Dylan being a dick? Was he actually complimenting Donovan? The world's never going to know. Dylan follows up with It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, which is basically a nail in Donovan's coffin. Later, we'll cut to Dylan riding with his concert promoter. He tells Bob, I've been in my office all day organizing my other tour. The promoter laughs. <laughs> before bringing up the other folk singer. Who could this other folk singer be, Kelly? D -D -Donovan! Donovan! Dylan asks, how is that tour going? The reply? Not so good. Oh, no. Seems like only Bob Dylan can single-handedly and alone sell out Royal Albert Hall. Oh, no. And then, at dang last, during Talking World War III Blues, which replaced Talking John Birch Society Blues from Free Will and Bob Dylan, he sings a line where he changes it up and says, I looked in the closet, there was Donovan. <laughs> Dylan later tried to make amends, saying, I didn't mean to put the guy down. I did it just for a joke. <laughs> but was it a joke? Probably. <laughs> All right. That so that's amazing. his scenes in Don't Look Back, which is a movie that will probably, uh, probably be the next movie we watch, actually. Well, maybe I'm not there. Making promises we can't deliver on. Okay. <laughs> that's, the end of, uh, that's the end of Woogie Boogie, where we ended up talking about Donovan and Pine Top Boogie. Pine Top Smith. Pine Tops Boogie Woogie. Yeah, Pine Tops Smith. Pine Bo Tops Boogie Woogie. Right. Mm -hmm. um, this is the part of the episode where we go ahead and talk about what we lived with beyond Woogie Boogie for the week. So, Kelly, what else What else were you into beyond this uh, incredible song? Mm, not a whole lot. Uh, I was really working on the, the playlist because there's a lot of good stuff in there, but... Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff. Um, I Since we are going to see Against Me soon... Um, one of the bands that's opening for them is a band called Bleached. Uh, I listened to them a little bit. I did like them a lot. They're kind of, uh, this is a really like reductive way to describe it because I am lacking the words to describe the music they play, but it's kind of like the Donna's, but less poppy. I like them. I don't know. They're good. Chester 
Chester Bennington died. Oh, yeah. That was today. Yeah. A couple hours ago. So R.I.P. Chester Bennington. It's really yeah, sad. it's crazy. Uh, if you don't know who that is, he's uh, one of the front singers for uh, Lincoln Park. He also did some solo stuff. So I put on our playlist uh, my three favorite things that Chester Bennington's ever done, which is a version of uh, Crawling from their reanimation album, which is just really, really beautiful. Even though I'm not really into that scene anymore, I don't really listen to their, their that style of music. Um, it's still, I put it on today and it still like made the hair on the back of my neck stand up because his voice and Aaron Lewis's voice, again, no accounting for taste for, for stained or whatever, but, uh, it's really, really beautiful together. So that, and, um, he did a song with DJ Z trip called, uh, I think the walking dead, something like that, uh, which is a great track. And, uh, he did a song on the queen of the dam soundtrack that John Davis actually wrote, um, that we put on there too. So yeah, RIP Jester Bennington. It's a, it's a bummer. Yeah, super bummer. Even if you weren't into it, it seems like you touched a lot of people's lives and obviously gave a lot of people a lot of joy. And that's all you can ask ever ask for. Um, as for me, um, I listened to an album called Out in the Storm by Waxahachie. And if you've never heard of her, she... God, I forget what her name is. Jesus Christ. That's poor. I should really know what her name is. Because she was, used to be in a band called P.S. Elliot. Oh. That existed, God, forever ago. 2007 to 11, I think, was their run. Very sweet. Um kind of twee vocals, lo-fi, that kind of stuff. But then she started doing her own stuff, and it's been incredible. It's been crazy to go from the lo-fi into kind of a more fully-fledged sound and then into kind of, I don't know, just really quite a rockin' record and a record that kind of, like, talks a lot about relationships and didn't sound like she was in a very good one. And then I want to recommend a song that I've been listening to nonstop called Molly is a Babe by the by Waters. It's so fucking good. <laughs> it's so good. I cannot get enough of it. This is the part of the show where you say we're picking our final song. No, no, that's not going to (laughs) happen because this is the part of the show where we tell you to follow us on places. That part. Because we're a real podcast. We're a real podcast. We're a real podcast. So if you are interested in Bob Dylan, Boogie Woogie, Woogie Boogie, (laughs) Donovan. Game of Thrones. (laughs) Game of Thrones. Um, Lincoln Park. Oh, maybe. Maybe. You never know what will happen here. Um, you can tune in SOTW pod on Twitter, SOTW pod on Tumblr, SOTW pod on Facebook, SOTW pod at gmail.com at Gmail at Google. That's Google. Shout out, by the way, we got our first little piece. We got an email from Josh. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. For listening to the podcast and for asking a question. If you ever have a question about us, literally anything, anything music related, silly stuff about the music we play, the clips that we play. Literally anything. We just want to hear from you. So please get at us. Um, we welcome that and cherish it. So uh, thanks, Josh, for the for the email. That was very nice of you. And this is the part, my favorite part, where we pick our final song. Ha, gotcha. <laughs> where we finally pick next week's episode song. <laughs> Got it. Right. So the number 74 is getting eliminated. Doof, doof, doof. Is that elimination sound? You know, it's weirdly daydreaming about what we'll say in our final episode. I'm like, that's literally <laughs> 10 years from now. <laughs> We're going to say, I want to thank my osteoporosis doctor. <laughs> oh, my God.
for, for keeping me alive for this final. I want to thank Ali for, for keeping my arthritis under control. At least we know our final episode's going to be good. It's going to be Blind Willie McTell uh, for the win. Maybe. It's going to be. Okay. Sorry. Shenanigans are going to happen. <laughs> <sighs> At least you're going to cop to them finally. Just remember episode 21. It foretold the future. It's like episode one of Game of Thrones. Anyways, um, <laughs> all right. So yeah, this is the beginning. This is the silver dagger. Where does the dagger go? It goes all the way to the end. That dagger's important. I try to stab you with it. It's Blind Willie McTell. He can't see you. So you grab the <laughs> dagger and you push him to the end. So Blind Willie is waiting for you at the end of the entire course. Wow, that was a journey. It was. So 521, what's your guess? 422. 422. Okay. Ooh, 141. <laughs> Just don't even. All right, I so 422. I don't know the point anymore. Does it all mean anything anyway? Okay, 422 would have been a really good one. So I've actually been listening to Time Out of Mind in my car because I don't have an auxiliary cord. This would have been our second Time Out of Mind song. Great song called Standing in the Doorway from 1997's Not Okay Computer, the other record. Not Babyface. Not Babyface. <laughs> no. All right, 141. That would have been a great one. So that is a that is a future from, from Woogie Boogie that looks bright. Uh, instead, we are going to... This is exciting. So this is a song called Clothesline Saga off of the basement tapes. Oh. Oh. Right. So not bootleg series. We're back to this terminology. Where we took off, remember the purge, we purged all of the basement tapes. I kept a couple of it, basically from the 1975 release, the Bob Dylan songs. Maybe the band are also on there. Well, they are definitely also on there, but it might be a band song slash Bob Dylan song. But I kept the big ones basically as a trigger. So this is actually going to trigger our next supplemental, which is perfect. So we are going to be doing, not only this episode, we're not going to be doing a supplemental next week, but we are, the next supplemental we're going to do is not going to be a movie. It is going to be a basement tape supplemental. So we're going to pick one that kind of fits for us, but you will be seeing a new basement tapes supplemental series within, I would say, the next month. So be on the lookout for that. Okay. That's exciting. Clothesline Saga. So we're doing the song. We're doing the song. Clothesline Saga. That's all we're doing for next week. I'm excited. Boogie Boogie was a, it was a sad week last week. It wasn't, wasn't sad. My face said it all. I got really oh, hot at the really end. Upset. I'm still kind of hot, man. Every time we pick these, I just like get this flush, kind of like listening to Chester Bennington. It goes right oh, in the back yeah. of your uh, back of your neck. So this is always the best part. So I'm happy. I love the basement tapes. I want to get back into it. So it'll be exciting. We will see you next week. Um, please, um, like I said, like, do all that kind of stuff. Subscribe. Leave an iTunes message. You know all the stuff podcast say to do oh yeah that'd be cool and and then you know let us know how we're doing so we will see you next week have a great night yeah goodbye Way before.